Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Jennifer. And I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be discussing how to teach geography. But before we get to that, how's everyone been since last time? Holly, how about you? Well, you know, it gets cold here in Texas in weird ways. (laughs) So, you know, like a couple weeks ago, it was 70, and then... We have an Arctic blast coming. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the midst of getting ready to winterize my house. Now, folks that don't live in central Texas are probably thinking, why wouldn't you have done that already? But it really <laughs> wasn't that cold. Um, so my husband got a faucet cover and he put that, took the hose off the faucet and put on the outside faucet and put the cover on it. And I bought some rolls of plastic that you can use to essentially like make storm windows on your windows to better insulate them from the cold coming in. And, you know, the Texas power grid can be finicky. So we, we make sure we have, you know, foods and things that don't require refrigeration or heat. My house is all electric. We make sure to charge up our power banks for our phones, things like that. You know, our winter prep is a lot different than, say, if you're up in the Rocky Mountains mm-hmm. in Colorado. But anyway, we do have some winter prep, and I that's what I've been doing. <laughs> what about you, Jen? I shamefully have not been doing that and should be doing it. Um, <laughs> We we just got back from a trip to Colorado where we saw lots of snow and experienced a lot of cold, but it was great. I love visiting that. It's wonderful. We went up there. That's what we do for Christmas usually is we do a family trip. So that was our family Christmas trip. And we met up with our two daughters that live there. So we all rented a house together and it was a wonderful, wonderful week. We had so much fun and I had the coolest experience ever. So my husband wrote a book many years ago. But one of the main characters in the book is a wolf and he loves wolves. He has a wolf tattoo. And we, for his birthday, which was recently uh, found a place that lets you walk wolves through Garden of the Gods in Colorado. Wow. Yeah. It's an animal sanctuary, a rescue center that takes in, you know, some people unfortunately take in wild animals as pets when they're babies and think they're going to keep them and raise them. So these are, this is a rescue group that has taken in wolves that were unfortunately tried to be kept as pets. And then, you know, the owners gave them up. It was such a cool experience and they were huge and they were beautiful. They are big. They're amazing. And, you know, I, for me, I've always thought like, oh, they look like dogs, you know, (laughs) they are not like dogs at all. I was so shocked by how different they were from dogs. My Um, little daughter has a dog that's a wolf hybrid and they have mm -hmm. to feed him raw meat. And he's, yes. he's enormous. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be scary. I, you know, we got to, uh, there were several trainers there with us with two wolves and it was just our family. And we went on a really beautiful hike in the snow and got to take some really wonderful pictures. And it was just an amazing experience. But also on top of it, they did a lot of wolf education while we were on the walk and, you know, taught us about wolf conservation and all the different Mm -hmm. issues involved in it. So it was just such a cool experience. We loved it. You all have always got some cool experiences. I need to just like 
get in your I suitcase. I definitely try to look for like when we travel somewhere to look for unusual, you know, experiences that are out of the norm. So, and I'm usually, I usually can find something no matter where we go. So. I you think it should be a really travel cool agent. I think I would enjoy that. I don't know. So I've never really looked right into at it, it though. <laughs> I am mm-hmm. always planning trips for other people. <laughs> Just that not getting paid for it. Fun. I should work on that. <laughs> right, right. Monetize, monetize. <laughs> what have you been up to, Melody? <laughs> You know, slowly but surely packing away seasonal decorations. Like I enjoy packing up the Christmas things as much as I do pulling them out. But then we always kind of like shift and do some winter decorations, some things we pull out in the winter. Like I have a velvet crazy quilt that my grandmother embroidered for my 16th birthday. Velvet in Texas is not a really thing, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So I pull it out every, I just make sure to pull it out every winter so I can enjoy it. beautiful and otherwise I'm not going to really right. see it or use it very much. So like just pulling out some winter things and also doing all of the, the winter prep because like Holly says, fixing to get cold and all of the batten down the hatches, you know, put all of the chairs, the outdoor chairs have to go somewhere so they don't blow away or blow around and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm just, you know, I'm fine with it taking me a while. I'm, you know, a no-stress homeschooler, so I'm not going to borrow people's expectations for some rule about when it has to all be gone. Right. It's like, I'm enjoying that leisurely, leisurely getting all that (laughs) stuff done. Okay, let's get into our topic today, uh, teaching geography in your home school. We should probably start by defining geography and explaining why it's important, and then we can share all kinds of ways to include geography in your studies. Our definition when we started was like, geography is the study of the earth and the way people live on it and use it. That was our really Mm -hmm. broad, very broad Mm -hmm. definition, but how did y'all approach geography? I agree with that definition. And actually, for me, personally, this is great timing for this episode, because in my high school co-op that I teach, we're doing a class on geography next week in our zombie class. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it's great because I was, you know, reacquainting myself with like how to define it for these kids. And that was basically the definition that I ended up with was that it's the study of earth and how it's been shaped by humans as well as the environment over time. So it encompasses so much stuff though. Like it's not just, I think people think geography and they think, okay, we're going to learn the States or we're going to look at maps. Latitude and longitude. Yeah. And then that's it, right? locations of countries, but it's so much more Yeah. But there's so much involved in like, there's, you know, looking at climates, looking at like ecology, biodiversity, um, ecosystems, the oceans, space, uh, you know, yeah. geology. There's so many topics involved mm-hmm. in right. it. Right. And I agree with y'all, you know, the definition y'all have, have said. I I always like to tell my kids that geography is the study of the earth and how it affects the way we can live. Absolutely. You know, why we eat different foods uh, from Mm -hmm. different places or why people look the way they do that over time, you know, where they live has affected how they look. It's so amazing when you think about it. Yeah. There's nothing really that's not touched by geography. No, and we can separate it. I know people separate it out into like physical geography, which would be more about geology and more about maps and borders and things like that, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like human geography, which is also a huge topic and inclusive in this. And that, you know, when you're looking at politics and disease and things like resources and and how the cultures are affected and all of that, Mm -hmm. all of that can be put into the topic of geography. Right. Well, whatever we were studying, 
geography always was embedded in our unit yeah. because it's one of those features of unit study that serves us so well is that we can do a deep dive into a topic and then hit all those points that you just said. Like, how mm -hmm. has the physical geography affected the way these people in this region live and what kind of homes do they have and why and what are the resources and how does that mm -hmm. affect their view of things? And then also talk about, you know, what are the regional differences and who are these people? And then we can, like, just keep going and going and going into deeper and deeper levels to find out how it affects the way they eat and dress and, you know, barriers, the geological barriers that keep cultural groups separated or that mm -hmm. mix them together. And then we talk about, you know, movement between one region and another. It's just right. love, including geography and everything. And of course, I was, when we were talking about doing this episode, I thought of you immediately, Jen, because y'all go and experience geography yes. all the time with all your trips, which is like the most amazing way to do geography. For me, and I love vicariously enjoying your trip. Well, and traveling and it covers all of those topics of geography too. Mm -hmm. So we are actually, you know, looking at maps, of course, and you know, routes and things like that. But we're also visiting natural landforms and learning about the geology of them. And then we're also learning about the peoples that live in the areas we visit. So yeah, it, it, traveling is a great, great way to fit in all geography topics. It is for sure. Well, and also I don't know how when people say they don't like geography or they find it boring or hard to teach. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just if you if you don't travel. So, for example, I live along the I-35 corridor in central Texas. And from the east side to the west side, that divider where they built I-35, there are very different geological yes. mini climates and things. Mm -hmm. And our soil on the east side is different than the soil on the mm -hmm. west side. And it, geography affects everything we do. If you want to go somewhere, you've got your GPS and mm -hmm. it tells you how to get there. Now, please do not give me directions in east, west, north, and south. <laughs> Unless I'm standing near I-35. <laughs> I don't know. I just find it interesting when people say they don't like it because I'm like, it's it's kind of like math. You can't take it out of your daily life. I feel like I think it's the way people were taught geography in school and it was compartmentalized. And, and mm -hmm. I think we were taught to memorize names of states was, or countries or mm -hmm. capitals. And that wasn't very interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I distinctly remember a study. Actually, I have an old textbook and it turned out to be like, I remember it from elementary school. <laughs> but part of what we did was like you said, just memorizing all these facts about each right. country, which right. to a 10 year old, it's like, I didn't have any kind of, none of that resonated with anything yeah. that was relevant for my life, just, right. just separated, you know, and we had to write it all down and make this notebook. So it was mm -hmm. like, remembering that, that it was rather dry. Right. And so when, when I taught a geography class at school, we, we incorporated, like, you can go on YouTube and other places and find such cool videos of people traveling around the world, making videos, showing you all these cool mm -hmm. spaces. And so we had the kids, you know, watching some certain videos. We were asking them some questions to make sure they kind of were watching the videos because there's some really cool things to know about everywhere. And yeah. mm -hmm. it was, it was fun. And then also we were, learning you know basic facts about each continent and mm -hmm. we did also learn like 
where these countries are in relation to where you right. live. And I'm sure you've seen those little quick things on TV where they're asking people, you know, on a map, show me this country and they have no. Yeah. And nobody knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want you, I don't want my, my kids to be like that. So we did learn locations, yeah. but then we but try I think to if you're not, regionally. if you're not connecting that, yeah. If you're not connecting that information to something interesting or relevant to your students, then that doesn't stick, you know? So I think <laughs> what we've, we've already said is we're combining all of these other things into geography that make it more interesting. And then when it's more interesting, then you need to know where is this place? What does this place look mm-hmm. like? You know, so then that's, that's why I love um, Halliburton's book of marvels. Yes. Yeah. Um, we just read yesterday about the Taj Mahal and I knew it was a tomb. Um, Mm -hmm. But I learned so much about it. And we'll read this. He wrote that book in the 1930s and he Mm -hmm. died a few years after. He had um, a congenital heart defect. And the reason he traveled so much is he wanted to get in as much living as he could with the problems that he had in his with his health. But anyway, you know, usually we'll read his chapter on whatever it is and then we'll go watch videos. And almost every mm-hmm. time we're watching the video, my son says, I want to go there. And I'm like, I yes. do uh, yeah. I wish I had a pocket full of money <laughs> so we could. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's more interesting to me when you bring people into it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I you know. Agree. Like, okay, we know where India is on the map. My, We have a globe. My son will all be like, go get the globe. And then we have a map of the United States. Sometimes we'll talk about mm-hmm. something. He'll say, what's that next to him? Like, go look and find out. Yeah. And he'll go. go ahead. Um, and, but we, we talk about these things. And again, like, like y'all said, it can be boring. But when you bring people into it, mm-hmm. that's a connector. Kids right. are naturally interested in how other people live and what they're doing. We're talking about geography and what it is. And I just can't believe people just don't want to teach it. It's super important. It is important. But I do think sometimes it's kind of a thing you have to sell to people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for me, I didn't have that difficulty because I combined it with everything we were doing. Mm-hmm. But if you if you really just want to approach the subject of geography, like I'm doing this one-time class this week and it's about geography, I do need to kind of sell it to my students. So I was looking up things to convince my teenagers that, you know, why is it important to know about geography? And I honestly, I found some really, really great videos on YouTube. If you just put that question in there, there's some really good uh, TED Talks that talk about the relevance of geography today and mm-hmm. all the th- reasons it's important and the technology behind it today and why that's important. Um, there's a whole, there was a TED Talk done by a student, a high school student, I can't remember his name, but he was like the world geography champ or something. And oh. he did a whole talk about how the war in Ukraine and how not knowing geography affects us as voters and people yes. who are involved in making decisions. And then tied that back to other wars and like how it affected Vietnam and our choices there because we weren't familiar enough with the geography. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so those kind of ways to bring my older students into seeing that, you know, knowing this isn't just about facts and memorization, that it's actually something that can help you determine all kinds of decisions that are big and small. For me, it's really hard to separate geography um, from history. Mm-hmm. When we were we were recently reading um, Susan Weiss Bauer's 
history book, it's intended for younger students as story of the world. And we were reading yeah. the one, the last volume that was about the 20th century. And my son was really excited about it uh, because some of the stuff he was like, hey, that was not that long ago. I'm like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> ah. History is happening every minute. But, uh -huh. you know, we were learning about what happened in Rwanda, what happened in Vietnam, what happened, you know, in World War II and and why the things happened happen and how they affect things today and that mm -hmm. everything's interconnected. And, you know, like you said, if you don't understand geography, you don't understand why Russia thinks that Ukraine needs to go back. You right. don't understand why, you know, Ukraine's like, no, we don't want to be back there. Right. Um, it's not just political issues. Mm -hmm. And we see it even here in the United States, the different decisions that are being made and a, a lack of the understanding of how geography has caused some of the situations we deal with. Yeah. So yeah, it's vitally important. I also, in looking up ways to talk to my students about it, there was a lot of information on careers in geography, which I thought was super relevant to my group of kids that oh, I'm talking to, yeah. and especially geotechnology, which isn't really a term I think I've ever used before, but there was a <laughs> lot of discussion about geotechnology and all the great careers right now that are developing in those areas, because now we have all these, the ability with geographic information systems, we have the ability to collect data and analyze things. And if you're in any of those types of computer skills areas, it's really highly valued right now. I love that you're teaching this class because those are career areas that I've ever been exposed to if it hadn't been for your zombie class <laughs> that you're right. talking about. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, like when there was just the recent earthquake in Japan and they had to issue tsunami warnings. Yes. And I was talking to my mm -hmm. son about that. And like, you know, people are reading these, uh, this information, they know they can tell, oh, you know, mm -hmm. this is the beginning of an earthquake or an mm -hmm. earthquake might be coming because they're detecting these tremors. And why does that create tsunamis for Japan? And all like, I'm yeah, like, oh, that's so fascinating. That's great you know, that you those, brought those that up. That's one, of, that's one of the topics we're actually going to be talking about in my class because we're we're we are actually studying like how knowledge of geography is important in a disaster. And we one wow, of the disasters we're talking yeah. about is that one. But and and geography is used for so many things during a disaster. Oh yeah. Well, uh, where my daughter lives in Colorado, they had a lot of wildfires a few years ago, and you know the geography affected the way the wildfires were spreading, the direction they were going to go, right. uh, you know, because of the topography and then right. because of what grew there and the, you know, they had had a drought and how that affects the soil mm -hmm. and makes things change. And it is super fascinating. It and is. those careers, I think, are going to be more important than ever as we deal with more effects of climate change. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely so. New Year, same task. Any homeschooling parent with a student going into high school knows that very soon they're going to need a transcript. You can write one by hand, but it takes hours. <laughs> and you can make one in Excel if you can somehow get it to actually do what you want. <laughs> or use Transcript Maker. Transcript Maker is the online service that lets you make professional high school transcripts quick as you like from the comfort of your home. But what about grade point average? I used to fill up scratch paper figuring that out. Transcript Maker calculates it for you. You just enter your students' courses and grades and boom, GPA. Another computer program to figure out how to use. What if I get confused and mess something up? 
Oh, Transcript Maker is super easy to use. But if you do get confused, they have a helpline to assist you and answer your questions. But what if I need help at midnight? They have a knowledge base on their website filled with helpful articles and tutorials. I'm trying to save money right now. I don't know if I can afford an expensive program. Well, Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial so you can see how you like it. And then you can get 20% off the cost of your subscription with the coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. I'm sold. How do I get this wonderful service? Just go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Let's talk a little bit about how you incorporate. We, I mean, we have talked about how we incorporate in our homes, but do you have some specific things that you do to make sure you're covering geography? Like, for example, we did have one year where we did a unit on geography, mostly so they would know where different countries in the world were. That was, mm -hmm. that's not the only, that's what most, a lot of people think of first. And so, of course, we did that. But what other kinds of things have you done? A lot of people think of a cuisine of the world. And so they go through and, and eat a lot of different foods as an introduction to different cultures. But what kind of things, what kind of resources do y'all like that you would want to share? For me, all of our years of homeschooling, maps were important. Mm -hmm. We just had just the exposure to them. So the um, availability of maps, we always had atlases and we had world maps and uh, U.S. maps on the wall, the big, big wall maps that we could yep. put, push pins on. And I love that because then when you hear about something happening, did your kids go yes, to the map? To find every out where time, it was? Yeah. always, which I think mm -hmm. is really nice because it was kind of like, instead of learning, this is the place, this is this, you know where it's located, it was kind of a backwards situation where we'd hear something, discuss something, learn about something, and then go to the map to find out where that happened. And that, I think, helped yeah. it really stick more. So that kind of exposure of just always having it around was really important to me. And especially especially as unschoolers, because it wasn't a structured kind of learning situation. It was just constant, constant exposure to it. Yeah, we um, have maps and I have books that have reproducible maps. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've been doing this year is that whenever we're studying a certain period of history, or I know that a certain area of the world is going to come up, I will print the map of that. And then as we read about that, we'll color in that section. And it's been kind of interesting. So I have a, my son has a map of Africa that we've been working on this year. And we were reading about Archimedes and he went to the library in Alexandria, Egypt. So I'm like, oh, well, color that. And he's like, I color, that's already colored from something else we read. But it's yeah. interesting how interconnected a lot of the different things we're reading are. So he's got a lot of Africa colored in. And we just started a new one of our trimesters. So I got to kind of look ahead and go and, and copy some more maps for him so that he can have them to look back on and, and look over when he wants to. But we also have atlases and we have maps mm -hmm. printed up. And one of the things that, because I'm a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, we teach geography by using books um, that are not specifically geography books, except for Halliburton's book, which is, but it's still written in a very entertaining story-like manner. Mm -hmm. But um, in the early years of my son's education, we used books by Holling C. Holling. And he wrote books about things like he wrote a book about a snapping turtle called Men of the Mississippi. So we learned all about the Mississippi River, yeah. the cities that were along it, the kind of food that people ate there, um, the industries. Um, we learned about snapping turtles. We learned about how the Mississippi 
you know, it flows to the ocean at some part and, how, and its tributaries. All of that stuff is told in this charming story about this turtle. Um, he has other books. Uh, one's called Pegu, and it's about um, a hermit crab. So we learned about tidal basins and things like that. Uh, Tree in the Trail, a book that's about the Santa Fe Trail. We learned about the Great Lakes from a book called Paddle to the Sea. We learned about ocean life and uh, whaling, which is, you know, an industry that's still in existence, but it's different. But we learned a lot about that from Seabird. And these are just books that are written like stories about these mm -hmm. characters. Um, we also use um, some really cool books. One is called Material World. It's by Peter Menzel. And it's uh, the subtitle of the book is A Global Family Portrait. And so this book was written, I don't know, maybe in the late 90s. Anyway, each page of it, or the, each section, is about a certain area of the world, and then it shows you all kinds of stuff. Like, you meet a family, you learn uh, what kind of foods they eat, you learn about mm -hmm. the, you see their, their structures. One page is super funny. Sometimes it'll just show you information about something, uh, the same thing, and how it looks different everywhere. So one is about toilets. That was a super fun one. <laughs> um, and then he has another yeah. book, similar and it's called what the world eats and it profiles families in different countries and you see what they eat and what their budgets are and it sometimes it'll show you several families in the country like the one in the united states i think there are three families but these mm -hmm. are things that he can really relate to because yeah you go to the bathroom and well, we eat and yep. we live in a yeah. house and it's <laughs> relevant have, right yeah, it's relevant. <laughs> and then anytime we're reading about something, we're going to look on the map. Sometimes I'll say, go get the globe. And he'll go, again? <laughs> well, yes, because we know where this is. <laughs> yeah, out. I think that's great, making all those connections. And I love the teaching geography as a story. I feel like that's how history should be taught, too. Uh, mm -hmm. And it is a story, the story of, of Earth and yes, all the is. changes over time. So I love it being taught that way. I was just reading an interesting article, and I think it was in the Washington Post, but it was about a country that's being affected by the rising sea levels. And the question they were posing is, if they have to leave their island, I guess it's a really small island, it's not very wide across, maybe five or six miles, are they still a country? And I'm like, yeah, that's really oh, interesting. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating thing to think about. Like, are you still a country if your country is virtual and your people are elsewhere? Yeah. You know, oh. so with the uh, wolf thing that I just did, one of the things that we learned about was, you know, they've been releasing, re-releasing wolves into the wild in some areas. And there's a lot of controversy, both sides on this issue. But one of the things geography wise that happened is that when they released wolves in Yellowstone and then followed what happened afterwards is that it actually oh, yeah. changed the course of rivers because it affected everything in the ecosystem from animals Isn't to that plants. interesting? Yeah. And some of the effects were very, very positive, and some of them were considered negative, but it changed the ecosystem, the landscape, the environment, and the map of the park. So that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we right. keep on learning more about was, geography. I love that. Wasn't that a wasn't that like a reintroduction of wolves because yes. wolves were there, but then they were hunted out and yes. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, so it's really interesting. But with my kids, as far as like learning geography skills, like mapping or using a compass or GPS, all of that kind of stuff, it was really so much hands on get out and do it kind of stuff. Like, you know, we do the trips, which 
I mm-hmm. generally, I plan the trips, but I always have the kids involved at all ages, involved in the planning aspects of it and looking at, you know, the maps and what route we're going to take and how we plan that and learning how to use the GPS or earlier on the street maps and things like that. So they've always been involved in that, but also just when we go outside and hike and things like that, we uh, use a compass or a GPS. We do things like letterboxing and geocaching. I think I've talked about those here before. But yeah, yeah. Those are those are great, great activities to get your kids familiar with, you know, compass positions and reading maps. Walking on a trail is a wonderful way to start learning with map reading. But it's a good skill to have. Like one of my mm-hmm. daughters was very active in scouts and then they had an orienteering badge. And so yeah. she went and did, you know, a big field day and they did all kinds of things. And then being, you know, typical homeschooler came home and started, that turned into part of the games and she was teaching yeah. her siblings how to do all these things. <laughs> and so, you know, you, it's a good skill to have though. Cause like my husband has a story about one time when my husband and the brother-in-laws and my father-in-law, they all went out, uh, think they were fishing and somehow getting back to the car they all got turned around night fell mm-hmm. it was winter anyway so his, then they had this big story about how they had to find their way back to the road using the stars you know it's dark they weren't mm-hmm. prepared for this impromptu hike either and they did finally <laughs> find their way back to the road several miles up from where the car was oh wow but after that it was like okay here we go kids like outside at night that's the north star and and teach them because it's a good skill to have in case you ever find yourself somehow disoriented and you can't figure out how to get back to where you want to go but of course they've been teased about that forever since Well, they made it back, so I think it was a success. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was. Lots of walking, good exercise, and, you know. But those are the kind of things, like, that's part of uh, geography, too. Learning your way yeah. around, learning how to navigate things about, you know, shadows and all of those things. But mm-hmm. you've got to get outside to do those. Yes. Things. Yeah, I, and I think that is... in books, but... Exactly. That's another thing, I think, that when we, you're taught geography in schools, or at least before when I was, you learn all of that in a book, it's not really relevant to you. But getting out even just for a little hike, you know, with a a compass in your hand, it makes a huge difference in the understanding of how it all works. We had a fire pit night last week and part of our nature studies, this term of school is the sky. Mm -hmm. So I got my phone out because it's got the sky map app. Mm-hmm. And I said to my son, okay, well, let's look up there and, you know, let's point the sky map and see what's up there. And we saw Orion and we saw part of the Gemini constellation. We saw Castor and Pollux and we saw Jupiter. And I was telling him, you know, in the olden days, people navigated, uh, you know, when they sailed, they used the stars and not mm-hmm. all the stars are visible at all times of the year. And in certain places, you can see these certain stars, and that's how they got around. They used the map of the sky. And so I don't guess that's actually geography per se, because it's in the I sky. I think it is. I think, but, I think that's still related. Yeah, but I mean, it, it guides your steps on the earth yeah. or your travel across the oceans. And I think that they still incorporate some of that when they're teaching people sailing, especially people who mm-hmm. like to use sailboats and things. So sometimes, right. you know, your electricity or whatever fails. There was a story about this young girl. She was uh, Australian, I believe, and she traveled the world in her sailboat by herself. Mm-hmm. 
and they had a they had like a sat phone or something, but there were sometimes she couldn't contact anybody. Right. And she had to use maps and stars and things to figure out if she was still on course. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about games also, because games, you know, are a big part of how my kids learn. We've uh-huh. talked about game schooling before and games about geography are great. They're a great way to learn. And even if it's just for memorizing names and places and things like that, you know, we like to play Ticket to Ride a lot. And oh, that I love that, game. Learn that oh. you know? So that's yeah. a, but there's many, many other board games and card games for geography teaching. And there's a ton of apps and my kids play these apps just for fun. Like it's not me telling them to go do that, but stack the states and stack the countries are both oh, yeah. obsessively <laughs> played by my kids. Um, there's one called GeoGuessr. Oh, you don't know about those? They're great. No. They're very, they're just purely just recognition of shapes of the states and the countries. And oh, then fun. it goes into like flags and stuff if you do more of the extra stuff. And you're literally just stacking them as they fall, but you're learning all of them. So like my my teenage boys know all the shapes of all most countries and all the states and, you know, things like that just from playing that game. And they love it. And there's a game called, I think it's an app, but it's called GeoGuessr, where they show you a picture, just a random photo of somewhere. And then you have to figure out where in the world it is Mm, um, using like cues you find in the photo, but it's very Uh difficult. And my older teenagers like compete with each other to figure out, you know, who can get it faster, you know, and they also have uh, world geography quiz apps that are really fun. Google Earth is super fun to play with. And there's all kinds of games you you on Google Earth. There's a one that my students are using right now called Global, but it's G-L-O-B-L-E and it's called Global Game. And it gives you a, it's similar to GeoGuessr where it gives you a, um, there's a mystery country every day and you have to figure out from the clues they give you what the country is. So there's all kinds of ways to interact online. I was going to say, when you were saying all that, my son is actually kind of good at maps and directions. Mm -hmm. And I attribute that to Minecraft because he'll get the map out, you know, Mm -hmm. and he has to figure out where he is. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm, that's a useful skill to have. Yeah. One time we were traveling, my uh, middle daughter and I were traveling to San Angelo in Texas to go to a college visit for her. And this was before we had, I had a phone with GPS on it. So I had printed out MapQuest to get us to San Angelo. And I made a wrong turn somewhere. Couldn't quite figure out what was going on. I called my husband. I said, can you look on, you know, look on the computer and see if you can tell me where I should go. And he couldn't figure it out. And then I remembered that I had a Texas map in the car. Mm-hmm. So I got it out and unfolded it and I figured out where we were and I figured out what the next, uh, you know, road was. And I got us back on track. And I said to my daughter, see, this is why. Mm-hmm. This is why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be able to read map and even just to have a paper, an old school paper map hanging around. Yeah. They don't take yeah. up much room and they really could save your bacon. But learning yep. to read map. <laughs> now, I have heard something funny uh, that a lot of people who use GPS don't look at it. They just yes. listen to tell them what to do. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, but, uh-huh. you, but you can tell if you're heading, you know, if you're going to be taking a turn up ahead before you get there. Or you can see that, you know, there's red traffic up ahead of you and that's going to be no fun. You're going to sit in traffic and like, why don't you also yeah. look at it? Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah. I always am looking or, at yeah. it. Or you can see that they're taking you on a really roundabout way when you could go on a straight 
that much you know more well than yeah I, I think <laughs> geography also teaches you a lot of spatial awareness and um i think if you're, if you're not looking occasionally at a map of some kind you're you're missing out on that part mm -hmm. of it yeah definitely uh, another way that my family was studied geography was our co-op did geography clubs throughout the years and those were just really fun those that were like fun. you know everybody got assigned each family got ass assigned a state or a country and then they had to do a project that they presented at each meeting somebody would do a project and they would bring food and they would talk mm. about the culture and they would do we would do like relief maps which are always fun to do and then just present you know have a little thing where everybody presents their stuff to each other. And those are really fun and easy to put together. They're, I like and that. they incorporate so many things because then there's that element of learning how to do a presentation. Yes. And how mm -hmm. Speaking. And then usually when we did something like that, everybody also brought a dish from their country yep, or we did. whatever mm -hmm. they and so then you're getting to try new things. And after my kids had done their own study, they were more interested in what other people, because they knew all the work that went into it. And so they were a good audience for their mm -hmm. friends. And they learned some new things even without doing the actual study. So it's like, we love doing those kind of things. It's just more fun having that element of other people doing it alongside you and making it a club is a great idea. Did you hold it at the park like you hold your other co-op? Yeah, we, we yeah. did do that. Um, I think one time we had it like as a geography fair kind of where we also invited, you know, family members and did a presentation, you know, set up everybody's little booth thing for people to walk around. And oh, then fun. we did it less formal sometimes, too. I like There's that idea. There's so many ways, so many ways to incorporate geography just like in your life. Um, it doesn't have to be a standalone study. I like it the best when it's just part naturally part of whatever we're learning but we really are big on like you said holly the paper map and any time we would take a trip we always had you know, all the maps of all the states we were going to drive through in the, <laughs> in the day well, but <laughs> um for my class i'm about to teach this week so our our little zombie theme is supposed to take place in seattle so part of our class this week is i got all I ordered all different types of paper maps of Seattle, of the state of Washington, of the surrounding area. And so we're going to, you know, oh, they're going to cool. rotate and take turns looking at all these different actual maps. But we're also learning to use more digital maps and interactive online maps and things like that. And I just, when I was studying to teach this class, which is great, I learned about the GIS systems, which is the geographic informational systems, which we all use every day. We just don't know that we are. But that's yeah, when you posted some of those, I was like, what's GIS? And I had to go look it up. And it was, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it's used for pretty much everything we do that has any kind of online mapping or tracking of information or anything like that. But it's a whole system, you know, that you have to kind of learn how to use. Mm -hmm. And it's a system where you can put data in and then it maps it for you, right? So any kind of data you want to map, you can put in there. And National Geographic has one that students can play around with and it's a simplified version of the of the arc gis system but it is great it's called national geographic map maker so my class is going to play around with that this week in a fictional zombie outbreak where i've given them like places <laughs> where it happens and how many people are affected and they're going to track that on their maps and stuff but there's so many different ways to use it and for kids that are interested in computers mm -hmm. gaming on computers and things like that this is a great way to get them doing something on a map it gives them a buy-in. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. So aren't you all one. going to uh, Seattle for your big trip this year? We are. We're going in May. Yeah. So this is so part the of kids it. are going to be ready to navigate the city. Yes, when they you... are. That's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. Well, Melody, you you said like I'm I'm sharing Charlotte Mason. I used to use books, but how did you teach geography with your unit studies? What did with what unit would studies? That look like? Well. Our unit studies always included living books, and so much in the same way. I was reading those really excellently written books, and some of them are quite old, but they're still so well-written. They're worth pulling them out and reading them again. And so we did a lot of great stories, and we also, for example, when we did a study of architecture, so that was really science, but we did a lot of geography with it because we looked at famous architecture around the world, you know, the Eiffel Tower and Westminster Cathedral and like just different places around the world, Taj Mahal, and we were studying the architecture of those buildings, trying to understand, you know, all the things about the physics of how these buildings can stand and the design behind them. So basically, whatever we were studying, we just looked at the location, we looked at the people groups, we looked at the, the regions and how, I think I said this earlier, how that terrain would affect what those people could do and mm-hmm. what resources they had. Because, you know, it's very different if you're living up in the mountains in Colorado or down by, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. So we just talked about how those differences affected the way that the culture developed in different areas. So that was like the main thing. We also did a study of Texas because we have a lot of different ecosystems here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so we, as part of, you know, learning about where we live, we uh, worked on understanding and remembering where those different ecosystems are. And they're like, where do we live? And how does that affect what we can do? And, and then having moved a few times, they got to experience for themselves. Oh, this is totally different here from where we lived before like the soil is different the trees are different the birds everything everything's different and then we would set about learning whatever was native to that new area or that region so ours was the book I was careful about the books that I chose because I wanted to find you know great book as always great the better books the best books you can find that incorporate the people there and and those books always show the ways that we're the same and the ways that we're different. And I think that's really important. And so we, some studies had more geography than others, but mm-hmm. it's always there as something that we would incorporate. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think we meant to necessarily. It's just that after you've lived a learning lifestyle for a while, you get to where you're asking all kinds of questions about everything. I agree. And then you start to make connections. And I guess that was the thing. We're always making connections between, you know, the people that live there, the place that they live, what's their environment like who migrated to that place, where did they come from, why did they leave, all of those things. This week, I don't know if it was in the Thousand Hours Outside Facebook group or another group I'm in where people were saying, it might have been on an Austin Area Homeschool or Facebook group, but they were talking about, somebody was asking what it was like in Central Texas, and someone said, is it like that in East Texas? And somebody said, I don't know anything about East Texas. Because <laughs> I've, I've only lived in. We're in very Texas, large. <laughs> right. And so, you know, uh, in this state, you might not know uh, what it's like in another part of the state. And, yep. <laughs> and also, I noticed that they had snow in the panhandle yes. of Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you uh-huh. know, I just it, drove through it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. you did. 
<laughs> and you know, we rarely get snow in central Texas. Yeah. Um, and so I had pointed that out to my son. I was like, mm, if we live no more north, you'd be having to deal with snow today. And he's like, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> so, right. I like what Jennifer said earlier. It's nice to visit, but <laughs> I like to visit it and then say bye. See you next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not a, not a snow fan at all. I was just thinking when you said that too, that I don't know if you guys have ever been down to Big Bend, but it's, it's a, on my list because I want to see the Milky Way. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. Um, mm -hmm. But any national parks are wonderful places to go to study geography because most of them are rather large and you see all different types of environments within the park. And mm -hmm. when you go down to Big Bend and you drive from one side of the park to the other, which is about an hour drive, it's completely different. And it's amazing to be able to see that up close. The rocks are different. The landscape is different. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Everybody should teach geography all the time because it's kind of hard to take it out of your life and it's hard <laughs> to take it out of your curriculum. And there's so many resources available to teach it. Here at the end of our podcast, we'd like to answer a big question. Jennifer, what's our big question for today? Today's big question is from Jay. Jay asks, what do you as a homeschooling parent want to learn about this year? I like this question because we're always all still learning the whole time. Yes. So what about, yeah. what do you guys want to learn this year? All right. Well, this year, um, over the holidays, a friend of mine was clearing things out and gave me her Instapot. And so I want to learn how to use it. And um, because it was a clear out, like it rode around with her in the back of her car for a while until we could <laughs> make it. And so by the time we actually met and picked it up, there were some things missing. And so uh -oh. <laughs> um, it was not a big deal. Like the parts are there, most of them, but no book, no manual, nothing. Oh, like yeah, I have yeah. no idea how to use it. So oh, we're all online now. I found a really fun Facebook group of people who Good. love pressure cookers. And it's like, oh, this is, these new ones have so many safety features. Like you don't have to be I afraid. love ours. Goodness. Yeah. Right, My mom so, had one and it, ex it, it shot spaghetti sauce oh. up to the ceiling of our kitchen. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, we had to leave the room and she was going to let the pressure out. She'd be like, get out of the kitchen. And so it made me terrified of them. And now, uh, okay, oh. yeah, these are not like that at all. No, my mother, well, my mother-in-law had an old-fashioned one, which she used all the time, mostly for cooking beans because it is quick. And so, and my sister has one and she's been telling me all great fun stories. And so I was like, sure. Yes. I'd be, thank you very much for the, your Instapot. It's actually a power quick pot, but basically the same. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I was able to cook like a frozen chicken. First of all, I took that chicken out of my freezer and put it in the refrigerator and thought it would be thawed the next day. No, it took like <laughs> two or three days. It was still frozen. How long <laughs> is that chicken? <laughs> Not that big. I don't know why it was so hard. So finally I put it in there frozen. So like you could cook a frozen chicken, a solid frozen yep. chicken in about an hour. It was really fun. It was, I kind of felt like a scientist, like I'm trying this it experiment. Like a science I hope, experiment. It, yeah. hope it works, you know, and the first time I, I tested it just to make sure it was working, I sure did jump when the pressure released. Because it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I should have expected that. But my poor husband. Yeah, we scared ourselves. But that was fun. And so then, of course, I was at Half Price Books and browsing the cookbooks and found like one that's pretty basic just to figure yeah. out cook times. That's and fun. So I, think I really it's like be ours. Fun. To check in with you. Do hard boiled eggs in it. I love doing hard boiled eggs in it. They peel so easy when they come out of there. I'll have to try that. Well, it's not that, you know, it's not that hard now that I've gotten over 
trying to figure out what all these buttons do. Yeah, there are but, a lot of unnecessary and finding buttons. a place to put it. You know, that was the other thing. And but yeah, so that's kind of a big thing that like, I need to learn how to use it or not keep it because it takes a certain amount of space. And yeah, but I think it'll be fun. And also, you know, just that I wanted to get back into sourdough again. So it's like I've got some kitchen projects I want to do. What are y'all that's gonna learn this year? Well, I, I'm pledging to uh, relearn Spanish again. I probably oh, talked to you guys about it, that last year we worked on Spanish a lot because we were going on that Costa Rica trip with our class. And mm-hmm. I was really just, I was using Duolingo and I already have some background in Spanish. So I knew a lot of basics and I was doing great and I loved it. And then I don't know, we went somewhere and I couldn't do it for a week. And then I just never got back to it. But I really, yeah. really, really would like to become semi-fluent in Spanish and be able to communicate with Spanish. Um, so I'm going to really work on that this year. That's kind of my hey, goal. That's great. I love yeah. that. What I about you, Molly? Well, I'm always trying to do a million things. Um, I'm trying to work more on my French. Uh, there is a possibility that I may be going to France in the spring. Ooh, exciting. Oh, man. I'm very excited. My youngest sister, I have three sisters, one's deceased. So my two younger sisters went on a trip last year to Europe, and they went to uh, Paris and England and Amsterdam. Well, my youngest sister, she just fell in love with Paris, and she wants to rent an apartment and stay there for three months. Oh, and uh, the first part of it, her youngest, her younger daughter will go and they'll be in Paris and they'll do some trips like a side trip to Scotland or something. And then I think our other sister might go over there. Um, her husband works for the Department of Defense and he can't really get a lot of time off. He mm-hmm. he works on uh, fighter jets. He's got a really important job. He's an electrician. He works on fighter jets. So anyway, I said to her, well, I have a passport. And, <laughs> and she said, well, come on over. And I, I said, I, I definitely want to. Wow. So yeah. uh, the details aren't worked out yet, but I, I want to do better with my French. I can communicate in French. I just don't get to do it very often. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm working on. It's not something I, I'm learning. It's just something I'm trying to get better at. Um, we're also learning Spanish. And I do want to, I do want to make that a priority this year. I got a, somebody bought a TalkBox Mom kit. Mm-hmm. And they got rid of it and they gave it to me. It has a phrase book and it has these little cards. And the the way that TalkBox Mom teaches foreign languages perfectly fits with my philosophy of it, which is that it's best to learn it as you go and use it for things you already do. Mm-hmm. So you can look in this book and find like if you want to say breakfast is ready or you want to say uh, it's time to we read the Bible every day, time to read the Bible, whatever. And so this way you learn entire sentences and responses, just kind of how our kids learn things yeah. as they get along. You know, we yeah. don't you don't sit with your grandchild and say just words, right? Dog, cat, cow, whatever. Like yeah, you, <laughs> how you're interacting with yes. Yeah. And so um, so I want to get better with Spanish. And then I own two websites that I haven't done anything with. And I really want to be able to earn an income that's more passive. Mm-hmm. So I want to do some things with those. And, and I do already do some things with website management for one of my customers, but I want to do more for myself. Uh, so that's another yeah. thing. I, it's hard to narrow it down. I just like learning things. Same, me too. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. always fun. Just because for me, just because I stopped homeschooling didn't mean I stopped learning new things. <laughs> so, yeah, and I enjoy really like just... teaching a high school class is always great for me because 
even though most of the stuff I'm teaching them, I'm obviously familiar with, but things have changed since I learned it. So I'm always learning mm-hmm. new stuff, like all this new geography information I'm just now learning. And I love, I get so excited to learn that stuff alongside with them. So I'm also just really looking forward to everything I learn with them the rest of the year. A hundred percent. I was just telling my son, we've been reading The Hobbit and I have never read it before. And I said, have you, you know, not? Oh, no, I had not. Awesome. Um I wasn't really into that kind of literature when I was growing up. I was more of a historical romance, not not romance, historical fiction kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I never really read that. And I did try to read Lord of the Rings one time and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a slog. He's so wordy. Words, um, <laughs> but, but if it's in our curriculum, we're going to read it. And so mm-hmm. we've been reading it. And I've just been delighted by it. And that's why I told my son, I said, you know, the greatest thing about being a homeschooling parent is um, you get to share what you know with your kids, but you get to learn new things with your kids. And yes. so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else is ahead that I don't know about just yet that I'm going to learn. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, we're having a great time and I am enjoying The Hobbit. So now I'm, I'm a little more primed for giving Lord of the Rings a try. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. We wouldn't have a podcast without our listeners' support, and you can give us even more support by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and sharing new episodes on social media. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you want to send us a big question of your own, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, check the show notes in the episode description or go to our brand new website, www.happyhomeschoolerpodcast.com. Next episode, we'll be talking about how you can use contests in your homeschooling. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Holly. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly williams Erbach. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Stop. Sorry, my cat's trying to eat papers. Your cat is eating paper? She likes to bite the papers on my desk. She's lying on my desk right now, and she's being ornery, and she's biting papers that I haven't filed yet. Hey, cut it out. Let me put her out. She's just being quirky. Hang on just a second.